0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com
1: T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host... Jim Tofte. Well, it's not too often I get a chance to talk with a guy with the credentials that Andrew Bustamante has. He is a former covert CIA intelligence officer, decorated wartime military veteran, and U.S. Air Force Academy graduate who also spent time overseeing our nuke program. Now, Andrew has been recruited by the History Channel to investigate Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Activity or UAPs. We'll talk about all of that as I've got Andrew Bustamante on the line right now. Andrew, welcome. I, I can't wait to watch this UAP series that you're part of on the History Channel. How did you become involved in this project? What with your background?
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Jim, for having me. And, and you know, I got a phone call from a uh, an investigative recruiter or History Channel when they were putting this show together, uh, and they were specifically trying to build a new team of investigators to complement the the existing investigators, Dr. Travis Taylor, and researcher Eric Barr that exist at Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, you know, the goal for this show, the goal for this investigation, was to go beyond Skinwalker Ranch, go outside of Utah, go into the unknown, parts of America where people did or perhaps did not know that there were similar Uh, Areas of areas of strangeness and strange phenomena.
1: Are they areas where traditionally where there aren't a lot of city lights? For instance, I'm not sure about the Skinwalker Ranch area in Utah, and by the way, it's not too far from here in Vegas.
0: Yeah, that's certainly what we assumed. We assumed that we were going to be uh, visiting areas that were more rural, that were kind of off the beaten path. But as we carried out our investigation, what we found was kind of the opposite. That a number of areas of of as hotspots across the United States, as we started calling them. We're actually in very populated uh, and areas that were, that were well, uh, well lived in.
1: Is it difficult to identify a UAP versus, say, atmospheric reasons as to why there are lights in the sky?
0: You know, it's a great question, and the answer is uh, yes. It is very difficult to, to ascertain the difference between a truly unidentified object and an object that can be identified, but perhaps you just don't know what it is. Now, one of the benefits we have in the world that we live in now is we have all sorts of technology that exists now in 2023 that did not exist in the 1950s. So we can track satellites and we can track aircraft and we can, in real time, rule those objects out. Uh, so when we carried out our investigation, it was shocking how many times we could rule out the things that we knew were in the sky above us and truly identify unidentified flying
1: objects. To go back a few years, if you don't mind, you were an undercover officer for the CIA for, what what was it, about seven years?
0: Correct, yeah, from 2007 to 2014, I served undercover with CIA.
1: And before that, interestingly enough, you were responsible for nuclear missiles. So what were your responsibilities?
0: Yeah, I became, when I was with the Air Force, I became the, the youngest ever officer to command a nuclear missile squadron. Uh, or we had 200 nuclear ICBMs in Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana that were all under my control as the commander at uh, Command Center in Malmstrom Air Force Base, and that was in 2006.
1: Are enemies constantly trying to steal our codes and and encryption keys? Is that something that's just ongoing?
0: Yeah, that is an ongoing, uh, what we call an ongoing collection requirement for foreign adversaries, is uh, is access and control of of an enemy's nuclear missile capability. You know, so that means that our adversaries are doing it to us, but it also means that we are actively doing the same thing to our adversaries. And I think this is important because there's a strong correlation between UFO sightings uh, historically and even in recent history and the existence of nuclear energy or nuclear power sources at the area of those sightings.
1: Who would you say that we are should be most concerned with in terms of an enemy? I'm assuming it's China.
0: Yeah, the the... Without a doubt, it's not even a matter of opinion anymore. It's been clearly referenced by the White House and by the DOD and the Director of National Intelligence, the DNI. Our number one adversary moving forward is China. They're the number one global threat to the United States in terms of uh, our future as a superpower, our economic stability, uh, and our technological advancement.
1: Two-part question for you. How were you recruited by the CIA? And number two, are they having a harder time these days recruiting young people?
0: Yeah, you, these, are, these are excellent questions, man. So I was actually recruited into the CIA in 2007 because I was trying to leave the Air Force uh, and go into a different arm of government service. Uh, and during that transition, a CIA recruiter reached out to me and offered me the opportunity to interview for a position with what was then known as the National Clandestine Service. Uh, so they were actively recruiting in 2007 because that was the kind of the height of the global war on terror, if you recall. Yeah. Um, and you're exactly right that nowadays, in 2023, it's become extremely difficult for CIA and other government organizations, including the DOD, to recruit young, aspiring talent uh, and a big part of the reason they're having a challenge is because they've been such a secretive organization for so long that people simply don't want, young people don't want to, uh, to align themselves so early in their career with an organization they know so little about.
1: And it changes your life, right? I mean, in your case, your wife was also a CIA officer, so you had that where you were at home and you could discuss things, but that's not the case for officers who have to keep it a secret from everyone, don't they?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. My my wife and I became a, a very special unit known as a tandem operating unit because we were both undercover officers, we were both at CIA, the same time, we met, fell in love, uh, and got married. And and CIA was kind of overseeing all of those steps. So we had an opportunity to work together. But the vast majority of CIA intelligence officers that live and work undercover don't have that experience. They either have to uh, lie to their spouse, or they have to kind of force their spouse into a position where they're they're always following their CIA partner, and they're always lying to their friends and family around them.
1: I'm not sure, Andrew, if you watched the series The Americans, but if you did, I, I'm wondering if you thought they got it right.
0: Yeah, The Americans, I, to this day, I still say that The Americans is one of the most accurate and most realistic representations of yeah. uh, field tradecraft that right. exists. Uh, the story is the story, right? There's always a, an element of entertainment. But the the tools, the skills, the talents that they had to use were very, very accurate.
1: When you and your wife had decided to pull out of the CIA, was it for family reasons? I mean, I know you have two kids. Did you want to have more of a normal lifestyle?
0: Yeah, that's exactly why we left. Uh, it was a very difficult decision in 2014, but my son, my eldest, had just been born. Uh, he was about nine months old and what we were finding is that the, the life of two undercover officers uh-huh. was not conducive to the kind of life that we wanted to give children. Um, and you know, there's a, there's uh, a mission that has to come first when you are, when you serve with CIA. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the mission that we wanted to serve was a mission of growing our family and caring for our children more so than it was continuing to serve and protect undercover in that capacity.
1: You and your wife have a business now, right, where you're helping uh, everyday people with spy skills in everyday situations, yes?
0: Yeah, and that's, that was the mission that we kind of created for ourselves when we realized that, you know, CIA didn't want to keep us anymore as uh, as a family. Uh, when we kind of outlived our utility to the to the American government, we discovered that we still could continue to serve the American people as business owners, and that's when we started our our company, EverydaySpy.com, uh, and using our spy skills. Now we teach spy skills to everyday people to give them an unfair advantage against uh, against threats to their health, threats to their security, threats to their business, and of course, helping people see the world for what it really is, as beautiful and as dangerous as it is.
1: Your podcast is one of my favorites. Where can people find that?
0: Yeah, I appreciate the listens, man. My podcast is called The Everyday Espionage Podcast. And you can find it on all major podcast platforms if you just look up uh, Andrew Bustamante or if you look up Everyday Espionage.
1: And look for Andrew in Beyond Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel. Andrew, thanks so much. Wish we had more time. It was an honor talking to you.
0: I appreciate it. And thanks very much for the time and for the support, brother.
1: Obviously, I could have spent hours talking with Andrew. His podcast is really great and so is his new show on the History Channel. That finishes this episode of the Fake Show Podcast, Thanks so much for dropping by. I'm Jim Tofty. See you next time.
0: Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.